Hello and welcome to Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I am Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. We release our podcasts in three different formats. We have our 10 minute lesson series where that's exactly what we try and do is take a particular topic and just hit the keynotes on it within that sort of short time frame. We have our interview series where we have the luxury of being able to sit and chat with experts on their area of policy expertise. Then we have our seminar series where we get the chance to listen back to presentations at previous events. And this week is one of those. This is a chance to listen back to a paper presented by Dr. Clodagh Harris, who's senior lecturer in the Department of Government and Politics in UCC at our 2022 annual social policy conference, which had the theme of Toward Wellbeing for All. Her paper is entitled Participatory and Deliberative Dialogue and the Imagining 2050 Toolkit. I hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, and it's a real pleasure to be here. And um, uh, thank you, thank you. Um, so I suppose what I'd like to do today is to very briefly discuss participatory and deliberative processes to facilitate the embedding of a wellbeing framework in policymaking. And I suppose um, to share kind of future-oriented participatory and deliberative tools that were developed as part of a research project here in Cork with colleagues up in Queen's University, Belfast. So it's the Imagining 2050 toolkit. Um, so I suppose I suppose what we one of the things that's kind of emerged as I've been listening all morning and learning so much is that I suppose as we know um, one of the most prominent contemporary developments in policy making and administration has been the rise of participatory governance innovations um, that seek to enhance the effectiveness and legitimacy of public agencies and policy making through various forms of public involvement and deliberation. And we know um, from research and that citizens' perspectives, and particularly bringing that lived experience, brings a very important and rich and valuable source of information and knowledge that can contribute to better and fairer policies. And interestingly, I had prepared these slides and I don't need to discuss this now because as we saw earlier in the presentation by Larry and Anne-Marie, they spoke, um, they outlined the recent publications um, by NESC. And um, again, I suppose spoke about that important uh, underlying role for dialogue and consultation in developing and embedding a well-being framework and policy making, and indeed the you know the need to actually optimize consultation processes. And I suppose what this brief presentation hopes to do anyway is to consider what form maybe such dialogues could take to enhance. The kind of the effectiveness and the legitimacy of a well-being framework in Ireland and, and indeed our work towards it. Um, so I suppose in terms of participation, thinking things like dialogue and consultation, like I suppose what what is it? And I suppose for start, I suppose there are many forms of public consultation, of public participation. And with any process, as with any, any kind of participatory process, I suppose there's no one size that's going to fit all. And um, there can be it can take different forms at different stages with different groups. Um, and at different stages as well within policy cycles, or indeed, um, again, returning to the steps of embedding a well-being framework into policy making that, that was presented by Anne-Marie earlier and covered in that recent report, it can take place in different ways across each of those four steps too. Um, so, so what I find helpful here, just as a kind of a general rule of thumb, is this pyramid that has been developed 
um, by Ruiz Villaverde and Garcia Rubio. Um, they've developed it, developed it really looking at water policy, but I think there's some nice ideas there. And what they've done, I suppose, in this um, in this uh, pyramid is they they show, I suppose, they map processes according to the numbers of people involved in a in a forum or in a consultation and their level of participation. And we can see that it can range from being very wide, but maybe somewhat more superficial when it comes to things like information campaigns or consultation. And then it can be maybe a more a, a smaller form of event or participation process that is deeper when we look at um, co-designing or co-decision making. And I suppose for my own part, the part and the, indeed with the Imagining 2050 project, um, my interest focused more, I suppose, on the um, on those upper levels, particularly the co-designing and the co-decision making. I suppose looking at processes that require more informed, more considered forms of engagement, I suppose that move beyond mere kind of asking people for their top of their head opinion opinions or preferences on something. And, uh, and in this presentation, I was, I'm arguing that participants should be offered opportunities to contribute um, to genuinely discursive processes that require more thoughtful, reflective and considered participation with fellow participants. I suppose what I would like to do next is to share some public engagement tools um, and maybe give a little bit of an overview of the Imagining 2050 um, project in a way that will supplement hopefully existing public participation processes in embedding a well-being framework and achieving those cross-cutting themes of equality and sustainability that have already been identified in uh, public participation processes to date. So um, just very briefly, um, the Imagining 2050 project, it completed its work um, last year. It was a um, it was a project that was hosted in the Environmental Research Institute in University College Cork, and it was funded by the Environmental Protection Agency. And there were a, a large number of us involved. If I click on the next slide, you'll see us all there. Um, we were a transdisciplinary research team from Queen's University Belfast and University College Cork. And we worked, um, we collaborated with um, uh, 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 creative, um, with Pink Visuals, so who were involved in um, visual harvesting and uh, visual engagement um, and also with video consultants to um, to develop I suppose um, to develop this the toolkit and indeed some of the um, the the community engagement processes and the aim of the research itself was to develop innovative project approaches to climate dialogues using forms of participatory and deliberative processes to co-construct co visions and pathways for low carbon and climate resilience society for 2050. And one of the core elements of our work was developing um, deliberative futures workshops or forums that worked with communities in co-creating alternative ways to envision and plan for the future. And they, these workshops, um, this was just one particular for, um, approach that we took. I suppose there could have been others like citizens' assemblies or citizens' juries and consensus conference. The, the reason I suppose the futures workshop appealed to us was because it had that visioning element to us. We felt it was most appropriate 
for, for this work and its future thinking and its future orientation. Um, so the th there were three stages. Um, I have the links embedded in the presentation. Um, and I'm very happy to share the slides with you or to make them available through whichever sources um, yeah, that are available there. But feel free to email me at my email address. It's my name at ucc.ie. Um, and there were three stages to this. There were the preliminary, preliminary engagements, I suppose, working with the communities to identify core issues and recruiting, I suppose, a mix of participants that kind of um, a diverse group of participants with diverse backgrounds, diverse opinions and diverse lived experiences of, of the issue of climate change in their community. Um, the second was the engagement element, which focused on delivering a series of visioning and scenario building workshops. Again, following that deliberative futures format, which involved a mixture of information, critique, visioning and recommendations. And then the final stage was the post-engagement phase, which, which, which was taking those recommendations and sharing them with stakeholders, public bodies, um, experts in the field, and um, then feeding them in, um, to, to policymakers. So um, that's just to give you a sense of the participatory um, community engagements um, that took place. And those involved in, in those uh, engagements also helped co-construct the, the, the toolkit um, that I'm about to, to discuss and share. Um, before I do that, though, I'd like to expose again, I give a bit of context to where we were coming from in that the community engagements and indeed the way in which the toolkit was developed and the way in which we envisage the tools being used um, uh, it, kind of are underpinned by these guiding principles and they are inclusion. But again, this idea of ensuring that there's a, a kind of a, a, that there's space for all at the table and that those who participate come from a, a broad diversity of opinion, of lived experience, of background, and to make sure that there's a, a good mix drawn from all sectors and walks of society. Um, and then bearing in mind, I suppose, that often it's not enough to invite somebody into a process, but it's important to facilitate their participation within it. Then we placed emphasis again on this idea of equality to ensure all involved had an opportunity to speak and also to be listened to with respect. And this involved using um, facilitators. Um, and then the third element, which I suppose is very much linked to that deliberative side of the, the, the process, was this idea of, um, I suppose, uh, inviting question, inviting the participants to question, to justify their positions and to come to recommendations that were based on facts and the future and the consideration of the needs of others. So again, coming actually from the work of kind of author and Prius who talks talk about deliberations producing fact, other, and future regarding um, recommendations. So, um, so just to give maybe so those those principles guided the engagements, the, the the workshops, but they also underpinned how we developed the toolkit and how we used the tools. And it's, um, so the toolkit itself, um, again, I have links to that. It's available to free. It's free to download from the MARI website and UCC. And the tools were, um, I suppose, future oriented and deliberative. And the list within the toolkit 
is neither exhaustive or aware of that, and nor is it prescriptive. I suppose the idea is there is to be hopefully of use to to a variety of actors for for wider uh, consultations um, or uh, deliberations. So what we have, I suppose, within the toolkit is it describes each tool. It um, also explains the material skills and time required and rates each tool's level of difficulty. It, it contains clear examples of how we use them in the project. It recognises, again, that organisations may wish to tailor a tool to meet their own uh, participation objectives. There are additional materials, links to additional materials by way of support within it. And there is also a section on online deliberation, again, reflecting, I suppose, modern post-COVID reality of, of, kind of how we engage now. Um, and as many of the tools that I'll be presenting just very briefly here, they're not new, I suppose, but some have been around for decades. But what is new about them is the way in which they're offered as a suite of techniques with which to engage stakeholders, communities, the wider public, um, in discussions that are both future-oriented, participatory and deliberative. I suppose just another thing to add that by and large, um, we, we, with the tools that endeavour to take a creative communicative approach, again, to facilitate, um, I suppose, various forms of discussion, but also as used draw, used doodles and storytelling and mapping, but it can be a very powerful way. Those kind of creative methods can be a very powerful way of, I suppose, imagining different futures or developing visions for the future, as well as enhancing trust. So the first um, two tools that I wish to share with you, I'm going to share four, but there are more in the toolkit. And as I said, this is far from exhaustive. So the first one I suppose I wish to share here, um, it and the one after it, storyboarding, are two specific tools that lend themselves very well to futures thinking. And I was very struck by what the governor of the central bank had to say there about how I suppose the need for a greater for, uh, for commitment to longer term thinking and longer term planning. Because that's one of the things that's kind of guided us in, in the development of those engagements and the, the use of these tools as well. So this is it's a very simple tool. Um, uh, it just basically involves participants to advise participants to choose a picture, usually from a pre-prepared display of kind of cutouts from newspapers, magazines, postcards, photographs, and they capture they choose so they're invited to choose a picture. Um, that reflects or captures their concerns or priorities on an issue. Once the, the pictures have been chosen, then in small groups, people are invited to present the image to their fellow participants and why they've chosen it. And once everybody's had an opportunity to do that, then it's just moving beyond that, uh, putting the pictures aside and then starting to deliberate on the meaning of the issue at hand. And in the case of our project, it was on climate change. And then I suppose then also inviting the participants and the framing that we took, but again, it could be a different type of framing for another, another um, uh, approach or another objective, participation objective. We invited the participants to kind of consider the impacts of climate change, both and both personally at the community level, um, kind of wider impacts, national, global, but also then to look to the future too on that and future impacts. 
for future generations. And this kind of this tool is you know it's useful for a wider form of participation, for example, a broad discussion or the early stage of a participation event, and can be used to raise awareness, scrutinize the existing state of play, and you know, find meaning for uncertain, unpredictable issues and identify knowledge gaps. And I suppose what it where, what it can be particularly useful is it is used as a first step to this next tool, which is a deeper form of engagement. But as I said, this is not prescriptive and it might be the case that a group may just choose to do sense-making alone. So storyboarding, again, is one that lends itself well to futures thinking. So on the other, so it requires a deeper form of engagement and as a result is, I suppose, rated by us as more difficult because it re requires the preparation of a storyboard template. Again, that's in keeping with the objective of the of the consultation or the participatory process. And it's more suited again to those co-creative, co-decision-making events. And it involves breaking a vision down into smaller, more detailed elements and considering, you know, the relationships between actors and institutions that can be effective and exploring trade-offs, as was mentioned, you know, mentioned earlier, and refining and developing ideas. And just for example, we used we developed a storyboard that had three distinct layers. Again, it was around the issue of climate change. The first layer identified the community, the inner one identified the community's main concerns about climate change. The middle one concentrated on priorities linked to those core concerns. And the final outer layer explored the visions of the group, the, the visions for the future. And I suppose, and also developed or suggested some actions and strategies to get there. So as I said, it can come after sense, sense making, you know, drawing on what has come from the sense making process and just working on it further and refining it. Um, the next tool I suppose I wished to share is empathy mapping, and this is described as a human-centered tool. Um, and it, I suppose going back to that idea of being other regarding or considering the needs of others, I suppose it invites participants, invites us as participants to step into the shoes of a citizen that's different from ourselves. Um, it asks people to identify as current, a different current or future citizen and to explore how they might be impacted by um, an issue. Um, it has, I suppose, great potential to facilitate intergenerational solidarity. For instance, empathy mapping could be used to ask a modern day teenager, what does well-being look like um, in Ireland today to a person who's over 70 and living on the state's old age pension or in return, you know, in turn, a similar question, the same question to be asked of, of a pensioner, what does well-being look like in Ireland for modern day teenager and what might it look like for them by the time they are retiring, retired? And again, this work is done in groups, capturing ideas and I suppose imagining the future in a more I suppose, inclusive way, bringing the needs of others to our our, our visions or imaginings of, of our alternative futures and what we would want them to look like, and then teasing out um, how, we, how we get there. The final tool that I thought might be of, of, of use or appropriate for, for today's discussions is, is community mapping. Um, and I suppose we looked at communities of place. So we were looking at two distinct geographies. So, you know, two particular towns. Um, so Athlone and Balancholic, but it could also be used, some of these approaches could be used at a much larger level, at a smaller level, or indeed I imagine two communities of, of interest. 
So again, what it does is its members in the community use maps of their area to identify concerns, prioritize concerns, and start to imagine what this, um, in, in this case now it's a particular geographical area, imagine what the future could look like there and identify changes that could be made and deliberate on pathways to these alternative futures. Um, and I suppose where it does have real value is I suppose it can harness local expertise and local experience um, on the ground to co-create possible solutions to wicked policy issues. Um, I suppose it's, it can, it's another way of engaging a community per se in a visioning exercise and be a way of imagining, I suppose, alternative futures and can be also a tool for evaluation, review and monitoring. So speaking, I suppose, of evaluation and monitoring, um, I suppose what we would say too is that any tools or any engagement process should be subject themselves to evaluation and where necessary adapted and you know, revised and refined. And um, the, toolkit the toolkit proposes a participatory evaluation process that includes three methods, um, a feedback board, an open-ended evaluation, and a questionnaire. Um, and I suppose then just kind of coming towards the conclusion, because we recognise that with any of these processes, and indeed with they're, they're not without their, their challenges, and indeed the risks. Um, on our side, from the, the challenges that I've presented here were particular challenges that we came across um, in the project itself, one of them being around recruitment and achieving diversity and representation can be challenging. It requires, I suppose, um, a lot of effort to mobilize participants and then to facilitate participation while uh, when, when people have been mobilized to participate. And it can involve being kind of working with local gate local gatekeepers um, and it required time. Um, training and facilitation requirements, certainly for a deliberative process, facilitation is required to, keep, to make sure um, voices are heard and listened to with respect, and this can require training. And then one of the things we also, uh, I suppose, linked to those two, two other items, it's the need for sustainable resources and capacity building to support and to promote and support engagement. And I suppose that requires commitment, requires commitment to allocating the resources and commitment to the values of these, these processes too. Um, there are of course huge risks with any participation process too, in that there can be little or no uptake of the recommendations or even a failure to respond to the output of a public engagement, and that can be um, counterproductive. And also poorly designed processes that can, you know, that um, are also counterproductive in that they can lead to maybe weak quality discussions and weak outcomes. Again, I suppose just to return to the, 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 um, the challenge of recruitment and ensuring inclusion, we we attended, we worked with people aged 18 and over, but I think increasingly um, it is increasingly important to ensure, ensure the voices of children and young people are heard and there are obviously many, many processes in which that can be done. And like most recent one that comes to mind is the the the, the citizen the children and young people's assembly on um, citizens' assembly on biodiversity loss as a deliberative future focused process that could do that. So I suppose just to conclude, um 
So what's offered here, they're future-oriented participatory and deliberative processes and tools. They're not offered as a panacea. Um, there's, there's, you know, they're just perhaps maybe of value um, uh, to, um, to future processes. So not all will be valuable at all steps in embedding a well-being framework. They don't seek to replace other forms of participation or public participation. They endeavor to complement them and their usefulness will hinge on the wider political context, the objectives of the participation, the consultation process, um, and the resources are available. And I probably should add there the commitment to them too. Um, and as you work, I suppose, and I suppose as you work towards the well-being for all, the tools are offered, as I said, with the aim of supporting the development of a more participatory, deliberative, and future-oriented way of politics and policy making. But I suppose again to echo um, a point made by the governor in his uh, the question and answer session, I suppose that the underpinnings or brings us to more, more long-term thinking, more long-term planning. And in my own words here, I suppose brings us beyond um, short-term thinking that we see with electoral cycles. So thank you very much for your attention and I look forward to the questions. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you have any ideas, any conversations that you'd like us to have, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie. Until next time, stay safe.